You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. We've been in of I've Got Bad News and Good News has been a great series. We've journeyed through some difficult things over these last couple of weeks, and I hope that you'll connect back with even week one and then last week uh, and then this week as well so that you can know the whole gamut of what we've been talking about in Romans chapter one and then two and three today as we've journeyed together. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Romans chapter three is where we're going to be. Romans chapter three, beginning in about verse 20 is where we're going to be, and welcome Sienna, Cypress, and downtown digital family as well. And before we jump into the bad news that we're going to see here in Romans chapter 3, I just want to just piggyback on some great news. All campuses, when you entered in to the worship centers, you received a Difference Maker Ventures card that tells you all different things. Here's what we're hoping. We are hoping and praying that God is going to birth out of our church members that there will be new ministries that come. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We don't want to just in the church meetings come up with a bunch of ideas. We believe in your heart God has put ideas and He's going to put ideas for ministries, and then we as a church will be able to give good counsel, we'll be able to help with funding, and we'll be able to help launch these ministries out. If you look just in this this yellow little section here, you'll just see a taste of some of the ministries that have started from our church. And I love that. Some churches are like, everybody's got to come to us, and the pastor's got to be involved in every little thing. That's not us. We are instead, go and let God use you in a great way. So Difference Maker Ventures, Christian Shark Tank, if you will, on some good stuff happening and seeing that. And we won't even take a percentage, okay? We're just trying to help you. It's great. To let God do His work through you. That's some great news. That's some great news. But we've been journeying through some bad news. We've been looking at sin. Romans chapter 1 talks about the sins of the Gentiles. Romans chapter 2 talks about the sins of the Jewish people. Romans chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. It talks about that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can think of it like this. The prodigal son is chapter 1. The the older brother is chapter 2. And the rest of the family is chapter 3 as you look into Romans and looking at all these aspects of sin. We know that in our hearts. But just in case we think it's somebody else that's the problem, we've got to realize we have sin in our life. We have also fallen short of what God wants. We've been talking about Romans, this book of the Bible that Paul wrote in about 57 AD from Corinth, writing to the people of Rome. He's about 52 years old. And so he's writing to the people in Rome. So I started thinking about what could be going on in Rome that might be a good an illustration to start this out. Well, let me tell you, I found a good one. There was a bank holiday of Rome, and it was a holiday we wouldn't have celebrated, but it was an Italian holiday. And these guys had come up with this great plan. What they were going to do is they were going to dig a tunnel from the store across the street underneath the road, and they were going to pop up right underneath the vault of the bank. This was all going to happen on this bank holiday. Then they would rob the bank. And then I don't know why they would think that people wouldn't notice there was a tunnel underneath the road. But, you know, criminals aren't that smart. So they, they were going to do that and get all of this stuff and to pull it out and to get the money to be able to have it. Well, guess what happened? The tunnel collapsed while they were in the tunnel. Let me show you a couple pictures of what it looked like. 
So here's the street in Rome. They've dug this tunnel. They've spent all this time. These four guys are there and one guy gets caught in the tunnel. The other guys jump out of the tunnel and they say, hey, we just happened to be walking by and noticed there was a man stuck in the tunnel. Police, could you come? We're gonna get into a car and race away. And so they take off. Isn't it great when you're a criminal, you have such good friends you know, that leave you in a tunnel. Eight hours later, they dig the guy out of the tunnel they finally get him out after giving him a canister of oxygen, after giving him liquid food, after being able to help him. He says this, this is his quote, help, I beg you to get me out. Now, ironically, this is really close to the Vatican. So he's asking for salvation and the Vatican's just right down the street. So here we have caught in the tunnel, it collapses upon him and now he needs a rescue. I submit to you this, you and I have been caught in the tunnel of sin, haven't we? We're caught red-handed, aren't we, in the eyes of God? Now, it might be underground, nobody may know, nobody may be seeing, but at some point, your tunnel and my tunnel that we've dug is gonna collapse. It's amazing how much energy criminals put towards doing bad stuff. If they put it towards good stuff, think what they could accomplish, that's amazing. But to be in this tunnel, all this energy that we give, so that's right there in Rome. They're digging out, trying and thinking about intentionally robbing a bank and it collapses. And then their phrase is just like our phrase would be to the Lord himself, help, I beg you to get me out, even though I know I created my own mess. Look in Romans chapter three, beginning in verse 20, and we're gonna hit some bad news. You know how our series has been. We hit the bad news first and then we hit the good news next. So let's look at Romans chapter three, verse 20. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. It means you're not gonna earn your way to heaven. Verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. So the Old Testament's been speaking to this. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who have believed, there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're gonna look here and we're gonna see that there's sin in our lives, that we can have salvation through Jesus Christ. And we're basically, this message is a central message to Christianity. This is like asking Tom Brady about how to pass. This is like asking Warren Buffett what you should do with your investments. This is asking Paul about salvation through faith is what this is. And the first thing that we get is bad news is no one can attain righteousness before God. No one can attain righteousness before God. Galatians chapter two, verse 16, Paul says, by works of the law, no one will be justified. No amount of good works can get us to heaven. American World Inventory did a survey in 2020 conducted by the Cultural Research Center of the Arizona Christian University. And they found that the majority of people that, who describe themselves as Christians have a works-oriented mindset of how you are saved. What does that mean? The majority of believers think that I can earn my way if I can get more good in the scales than bad. If I can do more good than bad, I can earn my way and God will smile upon me. And in that moment, I will step into heaven when I die based upon what I have done. It's phrases like this. I'm not that bad. Well, I've done some good things. Well, I'm not Hitler, you know, I mean, that, those sort of things. Most believers or most 
those that say that they're Christian, that would check the box, would say that works is how they would get to heaven. But let me ask you this question. How many works does it take? How do you know what your scale balance is? Do you check it? Do you have a password on the internet and you figure it out, kind of like a bank account? Are you insufficient funds? Are you doing good? Who sets the price tag? Who's the one that gives us the line, now we've achieved heaven? Well, if it sins against God, God's got to be the one that sets the price tag. It's not us, but oftentimes what we do is we set the price tag really low. We say, oh, well, I'm better than so-and-so, and so that must mean that I am given heaven when I die. We think that heaven is a right. Heaven is a gift. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you just, because you were born, you just automatically get. We are born and we sin and we realize, hopefully in our hearts, that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. James chapter two, verse 10, whoever keeps the entire law yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking the entire law. So how many sins does it take to taint your soul? One. Anybody in all your years, you just got one sin. That was it. We're talking once in this week, once in this day, right? So it's not by works, and that's actually good news. Because how are you going to get out of that? How are you going to work your way back? It's a gift of God we'll see through Jesus Christ. The second thing, it's in Romans chapter 3, verse uh, 23 that I want to draw out to you. This is a very famous verse. For all, that includes me and you, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, let me put this in understandable verbiage for us. Let's put it in Texan, okay? In Texan, all y'all fall short, okay? That's what it means in Texan. It's not in Greek, but if you had a Texan Bible, this would say in Texan, all y'all fall. All y'all fall short of the glory of God. Think of the glory of God, the perfection of God, the greatness of God, the amazingness of God, how amazing it would be. You can't walk into the White House, much less you're just going to walk into heaven. God has got glory that is so great, and He has got it so pure, so holy is who He is. And so we just need to know all y'all fall short, me included. You included, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's really no argument with that. Romans 3 verse 10 says, no one is good. No, not one. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what is sin? Do you remember back on, on week one, we defined sin? Sin was this. It was missing the mark. It was unrighteousness, transgression, lack of integrity, rebellion, treachery, perversion, abomination. In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, he who knows what is right and does not do it, to him this is sin. First John chapter 3, verse 4, sin is lawlessness. The commentator and theologian Wayne Grudem said, sin is failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. So every one of us who hasn't lusted, who hasn't been greedy, who hasn't told a little white lie or a big, big lie, who hasn't that little snuck through on something, who hasn't planned digging a tunnel, who hasn't had the tunnel collapse on them, we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned and fallen short of God, His glory. There's no exception. We've all done it, no exception. Every single person, me included have sinned. 
One commentator put it like this, not only did all sin, but all fall short. The single Greek verb is in the present tense, stressing continuing action. Here's how it can be translated. We keep falling short. We keep falling short. So not just we way back and by and by, we keep falling short. We have trusted, and we'll get to how you become a believer in just a second, in the grace of God is how you, you trust the Lord in salvation, but we keep falling short. So God knows that, and he's given Jesus Christ to be the payment. There's no distinction, no distinction. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, is chapter 2 is all about the Jews have the law, but they had an exterior law. They didn't have an interior love for the law. And so exterior, knowing all the rules, doesn't make a difference. Interior, acting upon the grace of Christ, that makes all the difference. And that can be us. That could be us. Not because we're Jewish, but here's what can happen. You can be a part of a church and not be a Christian. Do you know that? And, and I want you to hear me as your pastor. That breaks my heart. I don't want you to sit in, in Cyprus and Siena and downtown in the Loop and Digital Family and just sit and you think because you're just here that all of a sudden makes you a Christian. I remember as a teenager, somebody would say this, walking in McDonald's, does that make you a hamburger? Standing in a garage, does that make you a car? Sitting in church, does that make you a Christian? Hopefully it makes you warm towards the things of Christ. But a Christian is a person that has trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior to wash you clean. Now, this is such a hard message to me because I can't stay on the bad news. I keep going to the good news. It's Jesus that changes your life. And we've all sinned. There's no distinction. There's no distinction between all this. Romans 2.11, this is what I was trying to get at. Romans 2.11 says this, for there is no favoritism with God. No favoritism. So when he looks at the Gentile, he looks at the Jew, there's no favoritism. And he says, all of us need Jesus Christ as Savior. So there's no exception, there's no distinction, and there's no comparison. We can't compare ourselves to other folks. There's no hierarchy where we say, well, I'm a little bit better. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You've either trusted Jesus and been washed clean, or you haven't trusted Jesus and you're still in your sin. You're either in the tunnel or you got rescued. It's one or the other. The road is broad that leads to destruction, but is narrow that leads to life. You are dead or you're alive. You're in darkness or you're in light. And what we like to do, and this is what I did for many years before I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I just thought there was kind of this dusk or dawn and I, I wasn't that bad, but I wasn't that good. And I mean, I would have checked the box, Christian, but I never really trusted in Christ. I just assumed because, you know, I grew up in America, I guess that's what I am, right? That's what we claimed. But I never placed my faith in Jesus. I never asked Christ to forgive my sins. And that's where it comes from, is trusting Jesus as your Savior. It's not that we've compared ourselves to somebody else. Because here's the deal. If we compare ourselves, we'll always win, won't we? We can find somebody worse than us. We may not be Mother Teresa, but we're not Adolf Hitler, right? Find somebody in there that we can be a little bit better than, but it's not about works. Remember that from the very beginning. 
It's about grace. It's about forgiveness in grace. The standard is not another person. The standard is Jesus, the glory of God. And we can never make that standard on our own. I can be better than somebody else, but I can't be good enough to be holy, to walk into heaven with the Lord. Remember, as we've been talking about these past couple of weeks, I've said this every single week. Man will never create a standard that condemns him. Man will never create a standard that condemns him. I said it another way a couple of weeks ago. Man will never create an idol that condemns him. So when man creates a standard, we'll always create a standard that we can beat, right? We're always racing the cars behind us so we'll win. Man's never gonna create a standard that condemns him. Man will never even really create a standard that, that challenges him deeply morally. That's why our big phrase in today in, in America is this, well, I believe, right? There's no basis for why you believe what you believe or no thing to look back on. But if you say, well, I believe, then you kind of get away with whatever you wanna get away with. But whenever you have to say, well, what does God believe? What does he say? That creates the standard. That creates the standard. There's no comparison. And you know what? We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all disappointed the Lord. Now, um, give you a kind of a funny illustration as we're here in the midst of bad news. Uh, I went to the First Baptist Academy, our school, Gala. Um, I, I always go to that Gala, as you can imagine. So I'm, I'm a regular there. And it is always a super time. We have a great time. Uh, the staff and administration do a great job. The parents do a great job. The kids do a great job helping serve. And so they have, as typical for galas, you walk around and you see all of these um, uh, things that you can bid on and you write down the bid and you do the little app now and, and you can figure things out. And so I always kind of go into those things really excited about, I'm going to be able to get some cool stuff. This is going to be great. So um, we do Christmas shopping at galas. You know, we do all sorts. It's great to be able to help somebody out and be able to get some things, which is great. So I, was, I got there and this shows you how boring I am. I saw this electric toothbrush and I was like, hey, I need a new toothbrush. This will be great. So I sign up for the toothbrush and I get out bid and I sign up for the toothbrush and I get out bid and I, I, I finally get it going. Um, and I finally, I'm going to win the toothbrush. Now, a little side note, little, one time I bid on a live auction item and it was great. I got a great deal because I bid on it. Somebody bid against me. I bid on it again. And then their table said, quit it. It's Pastor Greg. <laughs> so the bidding just stopped. And I was like, well, this is awesome. This is a way to do it. So I got it at, you know, bargain basement price, you know, at the end of the deal, because I don't know what they thought I was going to do to them. But, you know, I was in it to, you know, go for it. But that's kind of a little funny thing. So I get the toothbrush. This is the toothbrush right here that I get. And this is some kind of toothbrush, okay? I mean, I'm just kind of usually just, you know, toothbrush, right? This is like, it turns on. It has a Bluetooth app that you can adjoin to your phone. I have not done that. I have no reason why I need Bluetooth app on my phone to brush my teeth. I got enough passwords already, right, to try to figure out what my toothbrush password is. <laughs> so I get here and I turn this thing on every morning, every night, and sometimes in between, and I, I get this, this thing on. And when you turn it on, you start brushing your teeth, it's got the little thing that comes on. It smiles at you. It says, hello, as if I need that. And then you got, you can hear a little buzz. So it starts going along and I start brushing my teeth. And man, you know, you're trying to get out the door in the morning. You're trying to go someplace. You got stuff to do. So you're brushing, brushing, brushing. I've never had a timer on my toothbrush before. 
but I got a timer now. And then it shivers at every 30 seconds to let me know. Well, I just want you to know, I, I, I believe in oral hygiene, but I want you to know, two minutes feels like an eternity when you're trying to get out the door. And I didn't know like two to three minutes is the standard for brushing your teeth, you know? I'm more like a minute and a mint, okay? Let's go for it. And so I'm going at it. And so I turn off my toothbrush and I look at it and I try, and this morning I got to my two minutes, but I tried. Let me show you what my toothbrush shows me. Every single morning, this is what happens. I get a downward disappointed face. In a minute two, every single morning, I begin with disappointing somebody. Now, at a minute and a half, if you keep going to a minute and a half, you get kind of a smirk. Nah, you're kind of okay. Now, think about that. Every morning, I wake up, I'm ready. It's the last thing I do before I start my day. I've had my quiet time. I'm ready to go minister to people disappointed in Pastor Greg every morning. Cypress, Sienna, listen up, downtown. Every morning, I begin with disappointment. How many of us feel like that's what God looks like at us at? It's like every morning, no matter what I do, ugh, God's disappointed in me. And as we get to the good news, you're going to see that God actually has a smile on his face if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, if you're trying to works-base your salvation, then you are falling short of the glory of God every day. And God does not frown at you, but he's calling you. He's wooing you even in this message. See, because God cannot ignore sin. He can't just kind of say, well, one minute's two minutes. Don't worry about it. He can't ignore sin. Why? Because that would go against his integrity, that would go against his holiness, that would go against his honesty, that would go against all those things. God has to be completely integrity, completely just, completely holy. He can't ignore our sin. He can't ignore our sin. It says in Exodus 34, the Lord, the Lord, our God, is merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and kindness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilt? Meaning that he's not gonna just clear the guilt. What does he do with that? Is there just a trash dump in heaven where he puts all of our sin? Think about uh, Adam and Eve. They sinned, but then they, an animal was slain to cover their, their naked bodies. And that was a precursor of Christ being slain. Think about it like this, that God's righteousness and holiness is on one side of, of the platform. He's way over here. This is how holy he is, how wonderful he is. And we're way over here with our sin. We choose it. We dig our own tunnels. We, we desire it. We want it. We try to figure out how to get it. We connive it. It's happened year after year, day after day, week after week, month after month. Boom, 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 boom. Insufficient funds, insufficient funds, insufficient funds, insufficient funds. We're just stacking it on. And way over there is God's holiness. He's never thought about thinking about doing anything wrong. And we're always thinking about thinking about doing something wrong. And here he is over there. We're over here. And without Jesus Christ to bridge this huge chasm, this gap. We don't have any hope. 
You can't jump from here to there. You can't work your way from here to there. God has got something and he can't just dismiss sin. We have been caught in the tunnel holding the toothbrush. That's where we are. We're in the tunnel digging with the toothbrush, trying to figure out how to get away with it. But guess what? There's good news. God didn't leave us in that. He didn't just leave us over there. There's really, really good news. Look at chapter three, verse 24. Look at good news in chapter three, verse 24. Let's read verse 23 to just kind of get our bad news to get into the good news. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, we got that now. We can't be the holiness of God. Verse 24, they are justified... Big theological word, but I'll tell you what it means in a second. Freely by His grace, not your works, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Him as the mercy seat by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His restraint, God passed over all the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. Good news. Here's your good news. I want you to know a couple things about good news. Number one, the guilt is gone. How awesome is that? The guilt is gone. Can we just, just because we want to, all campuses, online as well, can we just celebrate that with just a big clap? The guilt is gone. Yeah. Woo. That is big time. Now, let me give it to you in two ways. The guilt legally before God is gone. That's awesome. And therefore, the guilt emotionally before God should be gone. Now, if you're like me, I get it that the legal guilt is gone, but I still feel the emotional guilt. There's things in my life that I think, why did I do that? And it'll just pop up, be driving down the road. And, you know, who's bringing it to mind, Jesus or the devil, right? So the enemy brings it to mind. And I just say the name of Jesus over it. Jesus Christ has forgiven me of that. Man, I am sorry. I wouldn't do that again. That was stupid. No doubt about it. The emotional guilt is gone and the legal guilt is gone. What was impossible by works is now possible by faith in Jesus the guilt, we are declared not guilty. We are justified. Think of justified like this. It's just if I'd never sinned. Justified is just if I'd never sinned. Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins through faith in Christ. The justification means that God has granted his righteousness. I've traded my sin. I've come over to my sin pile and I've said, Lord, I give you my sin. I want you to have it. And as if, I wish I could do this, as if there was a conveyor belt or, or maybe even better, beam me up Scotty Star Trek. I just wham and I ended up over here, boom. And I'm in the righteousness of God. How? Now I ran across, but get the point. I came across because of Jesus Christ moved me from sin to righteousness, and it's just if I'd never sinned. And do you notice Paul didn't say, if you sit in a church for a few years, it'll be just as if I'd never sinned. 
It is through faith in Jesus alone. Not faith in my attendance, not my faith in my works, not faith that I don't use those kind of words, and they sure do, not that I don't do that, and I do this. Faith in Jesus Christ alone. Warren Wearsby said, justification is a legal matter. God puts the righteousness of Christ on our record in place of our own sinfulness, and nobody can change the record. No one can snatch them from my hand. You have been given a new name and new payment and guilt is gone. Guilt's gone. Now, consequences of sin may still remain, okay? But guilt is gone legally before God and emotionally in your own heart. You could say, I'm forgiven and I've trusted Jesus as Savior. And Jesus, my faith in Christ, has forgiven me because the debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. It says in verse 25 and 26, it says that God presented him, Jesus, as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because his restraint, in his restraint, God passed over all the sins previously committed. That Jesus was the payment for our sins. This is Christianity bullseye 101. Tom Brady, how do I pass? Warren Buffett, how do I invest? Paul, how do I trust Jesus? How do I become a Christian? By faith in the blood, which is the cross of Christ, to be the payment for my sin, Jesus' blood has washed me clean and I place my faith in the blood of Christ. So now his righteousness is the exchange for my sin. That's awesome. Jesus paid the price in full so that salvation is free to us. But the cost was high. It was his life. It's like this. It's like sitting at a, at a table and the person at the head of the table paid your whole bill. You don't have to pay for anything at that table. Your food has been covered. More than that, you have been paid for in the debt of your soul. The blood of Jesus is poured out. The wrath of God is satisfied. And Jesus Christ has been the payment. You want another $64,000 word? He's the propitiation which means the payment for our sin. He paid for it so that it could be just if I'd never sinned. Now, I still remember my sins. and I still remember we've all sinned, present tense. We're all still going through sin. But we know that Jesus has forgiven us and that's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not being Baptist. It's not being Lutheran. It's not being Catholic. It's not being Presbyterian. It's not being blah, 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 blah whatever else you want to add. It's that you've trusted Jesus to forgive your sins and pay for your sins on the cross. And you've said, God, I want you through Christ to wash me clean. And he takes you from sin to righteousness. And that's amazing. Paid the debt for you. This was Easter 2020. You were a part of this. We were doing Easter pandemic style. Do you remember that? You were at home in your PJs and I was standing here uh, preaching, okay? Give you a little secret, I did it on Thursday and we aired it on Sunday, okay? So um, <clears throat> I wanted to celebrate Easter too, right? You know, being a pastor really messes up your religious holidays. I just want you to know. Um, so we filmed it on Thursday, what, what, I think it was a Thursday, and then we released it. One thing I was super excited about, and I wish the rooms would have been filled because you would have been more excited about it. I couldn't see you cheering. We paid the debt, medical debt for veterans. You may remember this. 
We paid with this organization $25,000, very, very low, and they paid just like pennies on the dollar to relieve uh, $2.5 million worth of debt for veterans that had served our country. Yeah, now you can cheer. Sienna Cypress downtown. Everybody, all right. I feel so much better. I've been holding that for a couple years now um, for you to cheer. The debt was paid. Jesus paid the debt so that we could be freed just as we did for those veterans. Just as if they'd never had medical debt, it was washed clean. Last point I want to give you is this. Salvation is available to all. Isn't that great? Salvation is available to all. I mean, we talked about some tough stuff over these past couple of weeks. We talked about the sins of the Gentiles, the sins of the Jews, that the Jews had the law, but they didn't obey it. The Gentiles didn't have the law and built idols. We've talked about homosexuality. We've talked about greed and wickedness and disobedience to parents. We've talked about 24 sins last week that we talked about. You need to listen to that message. I've received a lot of encouragement. I want you to know about that message. And so God's given us a whole bundle and I get to tell you this, salvation is open to everyone. That's what Romans 3 is saying. And now we've gotten to everyone. You can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a popular belief. It's called universalism in today's world. And what it is, is believing that regardless of your belief, that you're just going to step into heaven. Let me tell you what, that's not true. Belief in Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. No one, come, no one comes unto the Father except by me. So Jesus is the only bridge from sin over here. You think you're just gonna, well, I'll just make up some kind of belief and I'll just stroll on over and I'll knock on heaven's door and they'll have to let me in. You gotta let me in. Well, why do we have to let you in? Because well, I decided it. Doesn't work like that. It's that we go from our sin to the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It's a courtroom. The judge will ask, well, what's your plea, guilty or not guilty? If you say not guilty, he'll say, and what's the basis for your not guilty plea? And here's what I'm gonna say, Jesus. He's the basis for my not guilty plea. Not, well, yeah, you know, I gave to the, that organization one day and I, I've always liked dogs. And, um, you know, uh, I tried to help this old lady across the street. And uh, let's see, what, what else did I do? Did y'all tell me anything? Jesus. He's the one when I said, I beg you to help me. I'm caught in the tunnel. He rescued me and forgave me of my sins. And my friend, Digital Campus, Siena, Cyprus, downtown, Luke, that's open to every single person to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you already have, then know the greatness of that relationship. Because when you trust him, everything changes. Now, let me show you my little friend of toothbrush here. What happens if, just like this morning, you go past two minutes? This is what you get when you go past two minutes. I want you to know that's the face that you get. Stars in the eyes, smile on the face. And that's the face of Jesus Christ as he reaches out to you. He wants to reach out to you. He loves you. He cares for you. And if you've started every day feeling like God's disappointed in you, I want you to know salvation is open to every single tunnel digger in the room. And you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, wash you clean,
and you'll move from sin to righteousness and your toothbrush will be as smiley as you ever saw it to be. He loves you. He cares for you. In Romans 3, with all the bad news we've talked about, by faith, it's just if I'd never sinned. It's almost like you've been born again. Born again, great biblical word. And you ask Jesus to save you, wash you clean, and you've been born again, and it's just if I'd never sinned. And you see the smiling face of God upon you because the clouds of sin are gone. That's the bullseye of Christianity. Father, we come in Jesus' name and we love you. There's not really any leg to stand on for us to debate whether we've sinned or not. We all know that. But God, we want to come and not just dwell in it on the bad news. We want to come and say thank you for the good news. That there's a Savior named Jesus. And He can forgive our sins. And we can be justified in Him. He paid the price on the cross. And for those of us that have already trusted in Jesus as our Savior, let us just be reminded again, it's not by our works, it's through our faith. And those that have never trusted in Jesus as Savior, that they would hear the good news of the gospel, the smile of heaven, the extended arms of Jesus nailed to the cross. Salvation is open to every person on planet Earth. And may we respond to that today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I cannot end this message without leading you in a prayer of salvation. Then at every campus, I want you to come in the next song and talk to somebody and say, I prayed with Pastor Greg. If you don't know that you know that you know that Jesus has forgiven your sin, would you pray with me as I pray, you could just repeat out after me with the quietness of your heart, the whisper of your lips, the sincerity of your soul. Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I've dug a lot of tunnels. And I place my faith in Jesus. to be the forgiveness of my sins, to wash me clean. I give you my sin, Lord. Ask for your forgiveness and your righteousness. My faith is in your death on the cross and resurrection. Save my soul and forgive my sins. If you prayed that, meant that, Jesus will be faithful to wash you clean and to take you to heaven when you die. If you're already a believer in Christ, would you just say to the Lord, thank you that it's not based on works, but based on faith. And I just renew my faith in you today and tell you I'm grateful.
Lord, till we face the bad news of sin, we'll never appreciate the good news of salvation. And we thank you, you've made it clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.